You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. Super excited about being here. Isn't church good? You know it's always going to be good when Anna takes her shoes off? When Anna shoes, just watch. If, if these shoes come off, just get ready. Because something's fixing to break out. I love it. I love the freedom. It's fun. Oh, man. Uh, my name is Cody Sykes. I'm the campus pastor here. If you don't know me, I'm just extremely honored. One, to just get to share with you. But two, I, I love the fact that I get to be a part of this church. It just so blesses my heart that this is my church. And so um, one of the ushers, before we get too far, is there anyone in the room uh, that's dealing with some severe chest pain? Is there anybody like that? Don't be bashful. It's okay. I know everybody's like, well, we're all sitting down now and it's quiet, so I'm not going to raise my hand. I just want to make sure that nobody's in the room dealing with anything in your chest. Cool. Sweet. Was somebody dealing with ankle pain when they walked in and now you're not? Is there anybody like that? That's you? Come on. Can you give God praise? We didn't even pray for that. But the presence of God just does those things. I love it. I love when... I love when, when, when we lay hands and people get healed. I love it when we don't because it just lets me know that it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with God. Yeah. And it, I just love the fact that he's so in love with us that he says, if you walked in with something, I'll make sure that you don't walk out with it. And I love that. It just blesses my heart. I want to start this evening um, just by sharing an incredible testimony. So back on April 12th, we got uh, a message in our staff text message. We've got this this group text, it's our staff, and you never know what's going to happen on that group text, by the way. Uh, there's all kinds of things that happen there, but we got this update that uh, one of the staff members, um, their cousin was, uh, had a little boy that was diagnosed with leukemia at the age of two. This happened in April, and uh, so we've been praying, we've been warring for this, this little boy, and uh, just believing God to do just a complete miracle, and so we got word on this week that his cancer is completely in remission. And so that is incredible. Thank you, Jesus. I wanted to read um, the text message that we got from the, from the dad. It says, our baby is in remission. We got the best news we could possibly have ever prayed for. This means that they cannot detect any leukemia cells in his whole body. They said that it's, they, couldn't, they couldn't detect 0.001% of leukemia. That, is complete, that means to me that it's completely gone. And so I love the fact that we serve a God that is always on the move. Come on, can you celebrate God for one more time for what he's doing? I love it, I love it. Before we get going too, too far into this, let me pray. I just want to ask the God just to continue to, to do what he's doing. Father, I thank you. I thank you for moving in this room. I thank you for every person here. I thank you that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear you that we would actually know that we're in the midst of the God of the universe. I pray that your anointing is in this room to heal. I pray that your anointing is in this room, your power is in this room to set the captives free. Yeah, we completely invite you, Holy Spirit, to have your way. Thank you for moving on hearts and moving on emotions, God moving on bodies. We call you because you are the spirit of truth. And so I ask that you would reveal things to us, 
that Jesus has said, but you would teach us all things. I surrender my ears, my eyes, my tongue to you, that I would simply just be utilized to share your word. I pray that there, if there's anything that I say tonight that is not of your word, God, that it would be completely forgotten. But everything that is of you, God, would be remembered and that it would produce the harvest that the word says it would produce. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. So last week, if you were here, how many were here last week when Sean Foyt was here? Uh, some of you, awesome. Uh, Sean, Sean just released some incredible things to us last week. I would encourage you, go back and watch uh, the YouTube uh, video of it, the first service, and you can listen to uh, the podcast. It was just amazing. Like, he just released what he carries, and that's what we invited him here to do. And he just sparked some things on the inside of us. And as, as Sean was preaching, there was a couple of different perspectives that popped up in my mind as, as he was sharing, because Sean was sharing about just this revival that's breaking out and this act of God and this move of God that is breaking out, just like we sang about. And I, and I, I saw these two different perspectives. And, and as a believer and as a Christian, as a person that lives in the United States, you can have two different perspectives right now. You can have the perspective that our nation is in the worst position it's ever been in in our lifetime. You can have this position or this perspective that our nation is falling apart. Or you could have this position or this perspective that we're actually living in the middle of one of the greatest potential moves of God that the world has ever seen. And in whichever line you fall on, whichever perspective you, you fall into, it might be this one this, this day and, and the other one the next day, but just think and just know that your, your thoughts, your faith, your hope, your expectation is actually going to follow that same perspective that you're living in, the, in that day. So when you're not lining up with this thought of, I'm living in the midst of one of the greatest revivals that, that the world has ever seen, but I'm actually living in one of the worst nations on the earth in the moment, expect that all of your feeling, all of your emotion, all of your hopes, and all of your faith is actually going to land on that perspective too. We're the only ones at the end of the day, they get to change the perspective and the reality that we live in. And Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the reality that I should set my mind on every single day. No matter what's happening here or what's happening over there, but my eye is fixed on heaven coming to earth. I was just, uh, I was just kind of blown away by, by quite a few things that, uh, that, Sean, that Sean was talking about, and that was one of them. You know, I, I think it's interesting that uh, in the midst of moments like this, where God is just moving, you need to know that the enemy doesn't question God. He doesn't go to God and he doesn't question what God can do. He doesn't question God's power. He doesn't question God's word. He actually just comes and questions your belief in God's power and God's word. And if he can talk you out of your belief in who God is, then he knows that he's move the scale, so to speak. But he, he still remembers, trust me, that God is real. He still remembers the beating that he took when Jesus actually went and stripped him of the keys. He doesn't need to question God, he just questions you. So I'm just telling you, solidify yourself in the house and in the word so that your belief won't be shaken. One of the things that uh, Sean said that just really stuck with me I love this thought, and he was teaching, teaching out of Acts chapter 2, and, and, and he was talking about the move of God that we're in, and uh, he said this. He said, this is that which was spoken. This, what we're living in, is that thing that people have been talking about for a long time. 
Meaning, the move of God that we've been praying for, the move of God that we've been expecting, the move of God that we've been wanting and desiring and craving, we're living in the middle of it right now. So we have to change our faith and change our, our thoughts into this place of, I'm not expecting it any longer, I'm now expecting you to use me in the middle of it. How do I get more people to the kingdom of heaven? How do I live in the middle of what's happening? This is that which was spoken. I love what Sean brought. It just stirred up a lot of things. I don't know what it did to y'all. It stirred me up. It just kind of had me, it had me thinking in ways that I just hadn't thought in a long time. And every now and then we just need to be shaped. We just need to be shook. You know what I mean? Sometimes I think that we just need to have those people in our lives that just walk up to us, grab us by the shoulders, and just shake us violently until whatever we're dealing with just falls off of us. Sometimes that's how I want a parent. I'm like, you stand right there. I'm going to grab you like this, and I am just going to not bite. I'm talking about shoulders, guys, not up higher. This is shoulder. Come on. Work with me here. When Sean was speaking and, and afterwards, I, I started having this vision, and this is kind of what I want to share um, and what I want to teach out of, but I had this vision this week, and it really happened on Tuesday as we were, um, sorry, Monday as we were getting ready for, for staff prayer. And I had this vision, and this vision that I saw was a container that had the lid, and the lid was being pulled back on this container. And instantly it occurred to me that, that we individually are those containers. We are the container. And, and it's like the lid is being pulled back on our container because for the first time in a long time, faith has been ignited. For the first time in a long time, hope is rising to the top. We've begun to hope again. We've been, been believing and expecting again. And all of our hope and all of our faith and all of our expectation, it slowly but surely has started pulling back the lid that has kept us shut up for so long. I love stuff like this. It was like the lid was half on and half off. But what I saw also was that there was another force that was actually trying to keep this lid not just from opening anymore, but it was trying to shut it completely. So that whatever was in this container, whatever was in you and in me, would actually be suppressed and not come out. And the Lord was showing me that one of the things and one of the forces behind uh, this, this lid being closed was this thing called unforgiveness. Like, okay, there's a lot of things that you can talk about at church, but don't be getting in my business. Unforgiveness is not something that I want to talk about. But actually today, that's what we're going to visit on. I want to talk to you about the the unlocking power of forgiveness. The unlocking power of forgiveness. And Jesus, he spoke very, very strongly about forgiveness. There's some, there's some words in scripture that if you read them, they'll step all the way on your toes, almost to the point where you don't even feel like you have toes anymore. He says things like, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive men their trespasses, neither will the Father forgive yours. That's Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, so you don't think I'm making it up. When he taught us to pray, how did he teach us to pray? He said, and forgive us of our debts as we forgive those who are in debt to us. He's talking about this moment of receiving forgiveness as we give forgiveness. It's not this, I get, and I never have to give. There's actually a story, if you want to hear the real hard, hard lesson on forgiveness, there's a story of 
of a servant that, that is in debt to, the, to his master. He goes to the master and he says, I don't have the money to pay for this debt, and I'm paraphrasing this. He says, I don't have the money to pay for this. Will you spare me, basically? Will you show me mercy? Master says, yes, I'll show you mercy. Instantly, he leaves the situation with his master. He runs into a, another servant, a fellow servant, that actually owes him. And he says, hey, pay up. Like, where's my money? And the servant, the other servant's like, oh, I don't have the money to pay you. Basically, will you show me mercy? He actually takes the guy to try to get him arrested and thrown into jail. Other people hear of this little story. They go back to the master. They're like, do you hear what Joe did? It was not good. You showed him mercy. He did not show it to somebody else. He's trying to get Robert thrown in jail. Could you believe Joe would do that? I mean, seriously. Master hears about it. He's like, you wicked and foolish servant. I literally showed you the thing that you were supposed to give in return, and since you haven't given it in return, these are all the things that are about to happen to you. And he turned him over to be tortured, and he turned him over to this, and he turned him over to that, simply because he didn't give the thing that he had received. So Jesus speaks very, very, you can go find that in Matthew, I think it's 26. Uh, he speaks very, very boldly and very, very black and white and cut and dry when it comes to forgiveness. You need to understand this about forgiveness. Forgiveness is more for you than it is for the other person. Well, oftentimes we think, well, if I hold on to this, I've got something on them. <laughs> like if, if, if I just keep this hanging over their head, they're actually in debt to me. But little did you know, like Joyce Meyer said, that having unforgiveness in your heart is like drinking a deadly poison and expecting the other person to die. It never works because forgiveness is more for you than it is for the other person. I believe that Jesus spoke so strongly on this topic of forgiveness because he knew the damage that it would actually do to our heart and our ability to believe in him. I believe that he knew that there was something that was gonna happen in our hearts if we allow bitterness and unforgiveness to take root. In Proverbs chapter four, verse 23, we see that it says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do, everything, that's all of the things, everything you do flows from it. And it's for this reason that I believe that Jesus spoke so purposeful when talking about forgiveness. But the thing about forgiveness is, and you know this, forgiveness is, is hard. Anybody agree with me, or am I the only one? Forgiveness is tough. And I think it's interesting, and, and Jesus kind of like, I don't know, Jesus is one of those guys, he always says things that are way harder than, than they seem. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, Jesus, that's way easier said than done. He's like, so when somebody comes to you and they offend you and actually they slap you on one cheek, what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to tell you, to, you have to turn the other cheek and let them hit that one too. He follows that up with, hey, so when someone steals your coat, go ahead and offer them your shirt too. And like, hold on, Jesus. Wait. First off, I didn't offer them my coat. They stole my coat. Second thing is, I ain't about to offer my shirt to somebody that stole my coat. You don't know me. I think it's funny, like, Jesus probably turns into God in those moments. He's like, he's like oh, what, here's what I'm going to tell him. When somebody slaps you, you turn your other cheek. 
He's like, but what I'm not gonna tell them is, in the moment that somebody slaps me, I'm gonna turn it into God. They're gonna slap me, but their hand's gonna move all the way through me because I'm God. I'm not gonna feel it, but I'm gonna tell them to do something. I'm being funny, but it's like, come on, Jesus, like, for real. Like, this is the real world. I deal with real things. You don't know what I'm dealing with. And he's like, oh, I do. I deal with them every single day. Same people. Same people. Jesus talks super super purpose, purposefully about, about forgiveness, and he, and he says a lot of things that are easier said than done. Tonight, I want you to go with me to Luke chapter 17. This is kind of going to be our text that we're going to land in this evening. Uh, it's going to start in verse 1. He says this, then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offense should come. I'll read that one more time. It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostle said to the Lord, oh, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'd say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and planted into the sea and it would obey you. I love this group of scriptures. It's so, uh, it's so amazing and it's very eye-opening. Jesus starts this thing out and he says, listen, it's impossible for offense not to come. Meaning it's coming no matter what. It's going to happen. You come to a church with fallible people, imperfect people. You live in a city that is led by fallible people. You're listening to a pastor speak a word that is uh, coming from a fallible person. It's no secret that offense is gonna come. And Jesus is telling this, like, don't be surprised when this happens. And sometimes we are, like, totally caught off guard. Like, I wouldn't, what do you mean? Someone was gonna be mean to me. What is happening? I thought heaven was invading the earth. I'm like, it is, just not completely yet. He says, take heed to yourselves. Meaning, pay attention. Be ready. When this happens, don't be caught off guard. If you pay attention and, and, and you don't let offense get rooted, you'll walk in a great life of healing, you'll walk in a great life of freedom. But if you don't pay attention, and you allow yourself to be caught off guard when offense arises or when someone says something that they shouldn't have done. I'm making this, I didn't realize I was making that gesture. That's probably not a good one. Um, yep, and Jesus is here. I love it. I'll tell you a funny thing. My five-year-old, my five-year-old and my wife dropped the kids off to church because our little one's not feeling good, but my five-year-old, she goes, hey, Griffey prayed for you today. And I'm like, oh, great. She's like, yeah, she prayed that you wouldn't say any bad words. <laughs> so I didn't say a bad word. I just almost made a bad gesture. <laughs> Jesus is the life. But if we don't pay attention to these things that Jesus is talking about, we ought to just buckle up for a ride because bitterness and unforgiveness will take you on a ride. It'll take you down a long road where you look worse than you should look. It'll remove years off of your life in the way that you feel, in the way that you look, in the way that you believe it will actually do a ton of damage. Jesus knows how we operate with like 
okay, Jesus, maybe one time I could forgive him. He says, no, no, no. If seven times in the same day, as if to say, this isn't about a numbers game. I need you to let this become your lifestyle. This isn't about a one and done. See, we're great at checking boxes. We check boxes like, I read my Bible today. I prayed today. I forgave once today. It's better than yesterday, true. He's like, no, 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 I'm not interested in you keeping account or keeping a tally. What I'm interested in is your heart. Will your heart be so transformed to mine and the image of mine that actually what's happening is as people offend you seven times in a day, that come, come time four or five that you've released them and you've forgiven them, actually what's taking place is your heart's being transformed, but it's probably transforming the other person because they're seeing an image of God that they've never seen before. Because this is not something that we normally do. He says forgive them seven times in a day for the same thing. We hold grudges for like half an offense that happened three years ago. Like, I think they offended me. I'm not sure. I think they said something about me that I heard through the grapevine from a cousin's relative, and I hate them. <laughs> it was like Doc Holliday. Well, look, darling, it's Johnny Ringo. Should I hate him? That's how we approach people all the time. If you don't know, Tombstone's my favorite movie. Anyways, we're getting all the good things in this service. Y'all came to the right one. The first service just missed out. They did not hear God and they came to the wrong service. <laughs> what I do love about this story is I love the apostles. I love their reaction to this. They hear all these things that Jesus is saying. They're like, oh, Lord, you're going to have to increase our faith because I've got some jokers in my life that just mess me around all of the time. And Jesus takes them to this place. He's like, listen, guys, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'd say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots, tossed in the sea. It would obey you. In the King James Version, I want to read that, uh, Luke 17, verse 6. It's, it's really interesting because Jesus uses some very specific uh, language a lot of times in Scripture. Oh, excuse me. He says this, And the Lord said, If you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you might say unto this sick mind tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. In doing some research on this scripture, I, 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 just, I was interested in this sigmine tree. And basically, there's a few things about this tree, why Jesus would actually use this tree to draw a parallel or draw an example of bitterness and forgiveness, because that's what he's speaking about. He's speaking to them about bitterness and, and unforgiveness. And so he picks this one tree. Some of the things about this tree that are interesting is this tree can live in any environment. It's a tree that, that was sprouted up in the Middle East where there's literally uh, such dry conditions that most things don't survive. Its, its root system went down really, really, really low. It grew to 30 foot above ground. It was one of those types of trees that sometimes they would just try to cut them off to kill them, but because the root system was tapped into things underground and it was pulling life out of the soil around it, that it would actually sprout back up. And I think it's interesting that he would use this tree to talk about bitterness and unforgiveness because that's how a lot of times bitterness and unforgiveness works in our life. It's like we, we let time heal all things, which never really works. And so we think we're over something and then we see something on Instagram or we see something on Facebook, we hear their name. 
All of a sudden, things start bubbling back up to the surface. Like, where'd that come from? I thought that was gone. Hadn't thought about them, hadn't dealt with that in a long time. It's interesting how Jesus uses this tree as this example. Bitterness always wants to rise to the, to the surface if we don't deal with it at the root. Like there is a root cause for why I feel the way that I feel about a certain person. And if I just try to suppress and let time do its thing, I'm basically cutting something off without dealing with the root and I'm, I'm leaving it alone so that it actually could come back when things with God are actually at the, at the peak. It comes back when the lid is halfway open because I just cut it off and forgot about it. I didn't deal with the root of it. One of the other things about this sigmine tree is that, uh, like I said, they grow in nearly every environment. But the one environment that they, that they thrive in is a dry, a dry climate, which is so interesting to me because bitterness and unforgiveness normally happen in places and in our hearts where we're the most dry, where we don't let the Lord work at all. Like there's, there's a, a garden that we have to tend to that is our heart, and when I haven't tended to the garden, when something gets planted in there that, that actually is like a, a silent assassin that's actually going to grow up a weed in my garden, I ought to be so tentative to the garden that I actually pluck it out before it gets to grow. But if I don't, and I'm, not, and I'm, and I'm neglecting that part of my heart, that's when offense and that's when bitterness is going to grow. And so now I'm dealing with something that if I would have just paid attention, like you said, take heed, I wouldn't be dealing with this 30-foot 30, this 30 giant that has roots so far into it that now I'm so concerned that if I pluck it out, what's going to fill the void? Who am I going to have a grudge against? What am I going to think about at night? The other thing about this tree is the fruit that it, that it, that it grew. It grew a fig, but the fig from this tree was so bitter that you could only nibble on it a piece at a time. So what they would do is, and most, most, people didn't buy, most people didn't buy this. It was literally a, a fruit that most of the time poor people bought because it was very, very cheap because it was bitter. But they would take this, and what I read was that they would just nibble on it, take a little bit of piece of it, and they would set it down and they would leave, and they would have to slowly chew this thing because of its bitterness. They have to wash it down, and then eventually they would return bite by bite by bite to consume the fruit and so much so is like bitterness it's like we 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 take a small bite out of it and we go over here and we chew on it we talk about it with other people did you know what they said did you hear what they did all the time just chewing on this thing and then it loses steam and slowly but surely we see them or we have an encounter with them but something triggers us and we go back to it. Oh, man, all the emotion comes back up. We're all of a sudden on fire again for this, for this issue. We take another bite, and we chew it, and we bring it over here and share it with somebody else. The, the issue with this moment is that not, we've gone from dealing with bitterness and unforgiveness to becoming bitter. I'm actually becoming the thing that I'm consuming. If I'm consuming a bitter fig or a bitter fruit eventually i'm becoming bitter he said guard your heart above all things because everything flows out of it the last thing that i want to do is become bitter 
I preach this message to you, and I know that, that forgiveness is such a, a tricky topic because it's not really popular, that it's not something we really want to deal with just because it hurts and it's nasty and it's ugly and normally just put it away and put it aside, but I, I share this with you because I so badly, as a pastor, I so badly don't want to see this lid get slammed back onto the container. Like, I need you in the game. We need you in the game. There's people outside of these walls, they actually need you. They don't just need me, they actually need you. You have something that I don't have. But if your container is closed, they'll never get what's on the inside of you. So I preach a message like this that might be a little uncomfortable so that at the end of the day, you'll come into this place of realizing enough is enough. I'm tired of being sidelined and I'm tired of being crippled. We need you. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.